everybody. Welcome to the Craft Heads podcast, where Tommy and I, my best friend of 20 years, have a craft drink, beverage, food, cocktail, beer, whatever, talk about a particular topic for 20 minutes, half an hour, and also give shout outs and love to local businesses, places we've been, things we've done, that sort of thing. Today we have a special guest. His name is Jed Drummond. He is a bartender and server at Brick Store Pub in Decatur, Georgia. This is a place I've been coming for years actually, but uh, just last week or so, um, Tara and I were visiting and we met Jed. We had a great experience and he offered to lend his expertise on the show. So welcome, Jed. Thank you so much, Alice. Happy to have you here today. For the record, I'm just a server, just a lowly Just server. a lowly server? But that's okay. Okay. Well, on this podcast, you are a connoisseur. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, exactly. So the, one of the coolest things about the conversation that we had uh, as uh, Jed was bringing us drinks and food, at the very end of it, he actually, he, Jed was the first person who took the, uh, the incentive and said, if you, ever want to, if you ever want somebody on your show to talk about what it's like to serve craft beer for a living... And I was immediately like, all right, here's a business card. So we hit it off, and that was perfect. And I'm real excited to talk to Jed today, especially from somebody who really knows what they're talking about, instead of just me and Tommy, who are usually bullshitting half the time. <laughs> well, you know, half of everything is bullshit. I exactly. Think. So do you want to start with yourself, a little bit of background on yourself, Jed? Uh, sure. Uh, my name is Jed Drummond. I was born in Pensacola. I moved to Atlanta in 1999. I was 18. I'm turning 39 in five weeks. Holy hell. Yeah. I never would have guessed. I'm, I'm so youthful. You That's are. That's great. Yeah. Um, Must be all the beer. Uh, and the whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. Good man. Uh, you got to pickle yourself. Yeah. Stay alive. Yeah. Um, I've been at the Brick Store for a year and a half. I got my first serving job, or my first job in the service industry in 1998, probably. Wow. Um, been doing it off and on ever since then. I also am an actor and a musician, and I've worked for theaters and all kind of stuff. That's awesome. But now I spend the lion's share of my time here at the brick store serving all these amazing beers to people and the coolest thing about the brick store is that we have such a large variety of taps and that everything is constantly rotating so we're seeing all these different breweries all the time we do features with specific breweries like right now um the date being the 29th of november we're doing a feature of mad tree out of cincinnati and creature comforts out of athens we have four of their beers each on our on our draft list and right now, Alex, you and me are about to try this amazing yes. Creature Comforts Grisette. I can't wait. Oh, my heard. gosh. Hold on. <laughs> Cheers. Let's let's drink, and i got to tell you something. Yeah. Mm. Ah, it's so amazing. That is truly amazing. Actually, I need a few more sips to try and accurately describe it. Oh, actually, I'm just going to let you do that. But before we do, yeah. you probably didn't hear it because it was a very recent episode. Mm. I, I can't believe this. On the Craft Heads podcast, a few episodes ago... It was called Return to Decatur, mm -hmm. and it was one of these Thursdays when Tara and I were in town for our little church thing. More on that later. And um, we went to Ale Yeah. Yeah. Which, it, do you remember how he, Russ, the proprietor there, he used to have a little kitty there? Do you remember that? Um, I don't remember the cat, but I've known Russ and Haley for a long, long time. Okay, so. that's awesome. Well, there was this adorable little cat there, and we went in a couple weeks ago and asked Russ where she was, and... I could admit, before he even said anything, I knew she was gone sure. and she had passed away and her name was Grisette. And That's I, perfect. I can't believe this. And I asked, and he explained it means uh, it's a kind of beer and I looked it up and it literally means little gray one. And I just yeah. thought it was the most gray adorable thing ever. Yeah. 
so good. Thank you for this incredible segue. I love no, it. No, that's fantastic. This is so good. Can you talk about this specific brew a little bit? Sure. Well, the Grisette is a subset of Saison. Okay. And so it's got sort of the same grain bill and, and so forth. Um, the legend has it that it's called a Grisette because it was made for the miners yep. in Belgium. And that there's a few stories. Some it's like, oh, because they were covered in gray soot and ash. And another idea is that the women who would serve them this beer would be wearing gray i mean it's but it's a low gravity beer it's only 5.3 which actually i think probably earlier grisettes probably were even a little bit lower than that but saisons have always been very much like a proletariat workers kind of beer right it's nothing for the proles yeah they say in 1984 yeah exactly (laughs) i love it and the idea being that you know we've got to give them something they've been in the field or in the mine or whatever all day so when they get off their shift here's this thing we brewed just for them yeah you know and and it seemed like kind of a a a throwaway style for a long time but it's made a resurgence because now you know the pendulum is is ticked backwards a little bit once we were able to get all these like 10 and 12 and 15 percent beers which we'll talk about some of that too Uh, absolutely um now that these beers are able to be on everyone's palate and people have gone a little crazy with the stouts and the quads and so forth some people are like well what about a nice pilsner? Yeah, <laughs> how about hey, a I saison? had one last week. Yeah, it was. I can't remember who made it, but it was incredible. And I'm not a pilsner guy. Oh right, was it? it did I bring it to you? No, it, we had one drink at the bar. Mm-hmm. Oh god, it's probably on there. Uh, it probably was the Einger Bavarian. Pilsner. That's what it was. Yeah, that's and it what. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we love the Einger uh, Hefeweizen. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a go-to. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, awesome. I love it. But everything that Einger makes is wonderful. They're one of the the best German breweries and that they're able to, um, to produce on such a level that they can export so much to, at least to the brick store. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's something to be proud of. Um, well, to be, to, so to tell our listeners about it, uh, especially for our non-Atlantans, uh, anybody who's never been to brick store and you can give the whole spiel, but this, this sure. place is, uh, this place is a real deal. I mean, there is a serious amount of beer in here. Indeed. So just take it from there. Yeah. Tell so, us about it. The Brick Store opened in 1997. Um, Our three owners, Tom, Mike, and Dave, came together and wanted to open a pub. They got a hold of the space. It had been an Irish pub, I think, during the Olympics. And then they had the space and really wanted to focus on local beers. And at the time, I think the most local beer that they could get was Sweetwater 420, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, Like the local beer. Right, right. And, you know, the the landscape, of course, was so different. But because they were so passionate, they were... And I don't know the entire history of this. But, you know, they have working relationships, like, from the ground up with Wild Heaven and Three Taverns and all of these... Decatur specifically breweries, but lots of breweries around Atlanta. And um, we've expanded. uh, We ended up building what's called the Belgian Bar upstairs. We have eight different taps. It opened in... 2004, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, um, because our owners went to Belgium and were exposed to the whole world of Belgian beer and decided yeah. that they wanted to be able to bring this to Atlanta or to Decatur, Georgia specifically. To the U.S. even. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's actually a sheet. Hold on. Let me grab the, the yeah. we have a little fact sheet. There. Go right ahead. You know what I really enjoy while you're looking at that? Yeah, yeah. We are recording from the upstairs beer cellar. Correct. And it's kept at a nice, uh, cool 53 degrees Fahrenheit? 56, usually. 56 Fahrenheit. 
So it's it's like the tiniest bit chilly. It's nice. It's a, it's a good surrounding. I feel like a bull in a china shop because yeah, my we're surrounded by bottles and all. Yes, angles. my fiance Tara, she always calls me that lovingly because I can tend to, uh, you know. So I'm walking around very cautiously and looking at everything, but I can hear the bottles rattling from the yeah. general noise and movement of everybody in the pub. I I love the sound in here. Yeah, it's, it's so very cool. it's it's oddly soothing. It is. It yeah. really is. Tell us about the fact sheet. Sure. So. In 2005, our owners took a boys' beer trip to Belgium and spent an evening at Culminator, which is a tiny bar, cafe in Antwerp, and it focuses on vintage beer. And they were so thrilled that they decided to start collecting themselves, and our owner Dave was aging the beer in his basement at home. But then, eventually, by 2010, they opened up the cellar here, and we started selling these aged beers. It took time to get everything up together. Mm -hmm. Um... The law in Georgia used to be that we couldn't import anything that was over 6%. Wow. Yeah, which is basically nothing. What like, a tragedy. Yeah, it's weird. But <laughs> Budweiser so, is five. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. and I think that that low ABV idea was held in place to prevent competition for the large macro brews. Yeah, you know, of course. That seems to be what that would be, right? Exactly. But so our owners were part of the advocacy to get the law changed and the ABV went up to 14%. Wow. Yeah. And so, and that's just the state of Georgia, but still as a result of that, we were able to open entire channels of, of um, distribution that just simply couldn't exist that's like in the past. That's like 95% of beers now that you're up to 14%. Yeah. There are some that go over, but you've got like almost everything covered now. Yeah. It's, really it's pretty incredible. And you know, Sometimes we're not sure exactly what percent it is. It's just high. Yeah. Ah, yeah we're not sure. We think uh, it's under 14. Yeah. yeah. They, they, I can't read the thing. Anyway, I love it. <laughs> um, not that we're out to get people wasted or anything. No, of course no, not. We, we not really cool. do want... And, and actually, that is that is one thing that sets Brick Store apart from other bars where I've worked, is that 95% easily, the clientele that come here want to drink good beer and they want to have that experience yep. and be guided through what it is to to appreciate something rather than shots you, you know. don't come here to get sloshed right it happens it does but it's happen. not why you come here yeah you come most here for the, the expertise people... the selection and honestly we can talk about this at some point the food here is ridiculous oh our kitchen is incredible yeah and it, it's weird because the two things like overshadow each other it's like i don't I'm, I want to go to Brick Store tonight because I'm hungry and thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our chefs, Ryan Tittle and Walker Jones, are incredible. Shout out Brick Store Back of House. Those are my boys. Nice. Um, but shout out Brick Store Front of House, too, of course. That's my team. Yeah. But we're all one big team here. And, and our whole customer service philosophy is is really incredible. Just the the atmosphere and the world that we create here for our guests is just unmatched. And yeah. I'm so honored to be a part of that. And, and so... To speak more to that and to what it is like specifically to be serving these beers, right? We have, I think it's 31 taps total, um, including our casks, and these are constantly rotating, mm -hmm. right? Because, of course, a keg runs out and we put something else on, you know? And, and, and we have relationships with breweries, of course, all over the world, so we're constantly getting in things from everywhere, and we have to taste stuff every day and become familiar with what all of these styles are right. and be able to talk about it with our guests, of course. Uh, and, of course, some people are just like, oh, I don't know, I, I just drink Michelob Ultra, which, you know, that happens. And so sure. we have to have options for them, you know, have a Kolsch. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. and, um, or, you know, some people come in and like, do you have Blue Moon? Well, 
No, but I have this wonderful German Hefeweizen, the Eingeplöweizen. Here you go. <laughs> you know, we have to be able to to hit everyone's palate, right? Mm-hmm. And and I always tell my guests because we hand them this this you know eleven by seventeen draft list, and they go, "Oh my god!" And then we have this beer bible that's you know half an inch thick, yeah, leather bound filled. and all that. Yeah, 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 precisely. And I tell people, don't even worry about all of that. Because this is too much. It's too much to read. It's talk overwhelming. Yeah, talk to me. Yeah. Let me help you. What is on your palate today? Do you want an IPA? Do you want a stout? Whatever. Let's talk. Or what do I think is cool? I, these particular things we have on right now are amazing. You know, and and people um, trust the servers here because we're so interested in helping. Or at least I am. Yeah. I try to, I try to, to be as accommodating of course because it's customer service but also because i'm just so passionate about getting people something that they love absolutely and people get so excited when you bring them something that they've never tasted before and they're like holy crap what is this this yeah. is amazing you know and and so it's just like making people's worlds a little bit bigger just a little bit broader of a, of a spectrum like one one alcoholic beverage at a time. I love that philosophy jed yeah. i really do i mean i i wish it's something i preach on many episodes and it doesn't just apply to beer or even alcohol generally. Just try new things. Yeah. And because you can't possibly know if you like something unless you try it. And if you don't like it, never try it again. Yeah. But that that really is a special treatment that you get here. Um, anybody can go order a beer at a restaurant. And, any, and not anybody, but a lot, of, a lot of people are good at serving and serving beers to whomever. But when you come to Brick Store, you, you really are. These are experts and they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And it, it, you did the same thing for me uh, that night when Tara and I were here yeah. helping me pick beers. Uh, and, and hell, unknowingly, you gave me something really special on this episode with this grisette. Like, yeah, it's that's so cool. Well, <clears throat> you know, I believe in synchronicity. Yeah. And I think things line up I beautifully for great reasons. They do. You know? Serendipity, mojo, cosmic, yeah, uh, line, whatever you want to call it. All of it. Yeah. yeah. It's all fascinating. And the world is just brighter when you want to look for connections between things instead of seeing things as black and white and separate from one another. Agreed. I, um, you, would, you would get along with basically everybody that I get along with. <laughs> I like it. I believe that. Yeah. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit more, Jed, about... What are some of the most interesting experiences you've had since you've been here at uh, Brickstore? Oh, man. Well, the one thing about Brickstore is that on one level, we're just a neighborhood pub. You know what I mean? We know sure. so many people from the Decatur community. I know families. I know their children. You know, that kind of thing. And that's something that's so so valuable and, and nice is to know that we're a bedrock of our community, but also we represent a window into the rest of the world. So there's a brewery called Cantillon, which if you don't know, now you've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, and they're one of the foremost makers of sours in the world. And um, in September, we did what's called Swansea Day. Swansea is a brew that they make once a year and send out in very limited quantities. And then everybody around the world who has it toasts all at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a neat it's a neat thing, right? Yeah. And so we were fortunate to be given the chance to host that oh, uh, so this cool. year. It's not a consistent thing, like who gets it when, whatever, whatever. That's determined by someone far above my pay grade. But, yeah, exactly. Um, but we were fortunate to have it. And so it was a, a smoked sour this year, and we were just covered in beer people the pub was intensely full yeah everybody was here just ready for the beer and then at 3 p.m we passed it out to everyone held up our six ounce pours of this exceptionally rare brew everyone cheers and it was a wonderful celebration and then everybody left 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's cool, though. I mean, what a what a way to bring people together. Yeah, I mean, exactly. alcohol historically has done that. You sure, know, but, but also so the, the rarity of that and, and how special and unique that was. Sure. And we had people from so many local breweries, you know, and I shouldn't call them all out by name because it would take a while. But, you know, yeah. a lot of people from the beer community were here, people from our distributors and so forth, and everybody was just thrilled and in a great mood and, and exactly. you know, just here for the sense of community that that brought. Um, God, other things. I mean, we do an amazing Oktoberfest every year. Mm-hmm. Um, or just other, like, cool things that I've experienced as a server at the brick store. I mean, on one level, I think every day getting to meet a new beer pretty much is is very satisfying absolutely um just constantly expanding my palate and um thinking about new ways to pair beers with our menu and so forth but also getting to meet the people that make the beer is so great too because there's such a i don't even want to say like down home because it doesn't seem right it's it's just it emphasizes locality so much yeah right and and the sort of farm to table idea is something that we embody in our kitchen and there's nothing more local than beer that's been made with local ingredients and so forth. Absolutely. I don't know if you know about Pretoria Fields out of Albany. Uh-uh. Um, they're a, a great brewery and Albany, New York? Or no, Georgia? Albany, Georgia. Georgia, okay. I yeah, should have yeah, assumed yeah. that when you said local. Duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. They're, um, uh, and they have a farm and they grow all of their own ingredients and so forth. I think they do very little in terms of importing, mm-hmm. but all their products are great. Uh, I don't want to try to show too much favoritism, but they're just yeah. a really good example of what really makes something truly a local experience. Yeah. You know, and and of course, right now we're drinking uh, Creature Comforts beer, which is out of Athens. You yeah. know, um, Creature Comforts did their five year anniversary party here earlier this year and the owner had really wonderful things to say about the pub because we've been a supporter of them from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, we were one of the first people in Atlanta that had Tropicalia, which is, of course, their flagship IPA that yep. was on uh, Avengers. And so we couldn't even buy it for a while because it was getting... You can't get any bigger was so exposure hard. than that. Yeah, that's Fat amazing. Thor drinking your beer, yeah, you know? that's unbelievable. Yeah, and so, like, we didn't have Tropicalia for weeks yeah. uh, after that news broke, you know? But that's great because that means that everybody else is finally getting to be introduced to this really wonderful IPA that we've, we've known about forever and everybody else is finally catching up. Yeah. You know, go have some Tropicalia. You guys are like the original beer hipsters. Which yeah. Is, which is super awesome. I'm very in favor of that. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I joke a little bit. I, I've talked on the podcast about, I think, to varying degrees, whether people admit it or not, everybody has a little bit of hipsterism in them. It, even though some <clears> people are 2%, some people are 98%. It's, it's just all about... It's a human nature thing. Well, I mean, I think... The term hipster implies how pretentious you are about it or not. Yeah. Right? Sure. And if you're snooty and exclusionary, then that's a shitty way to be a hipster. That's a shitty hipster. Yeah. I mean, I've always... Uh, the original hipster for me growing up was, like, music. People would hear about a band, and they loved it secretly. Oh, I knew about them way before you did. Then right. the band gets big, and then they abandon the band. Yeah. I'm like... That's not being supportive. That doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah. Same thing with, like, a beer. Oh, Tropicalia is big now. I don't drink anymore. Right. What? You should be, you know, applauding it and yeah. celebrating it. Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, we need to let people have their successes. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you know, I could take that particular line of thought into many different genres in terms of people of being, wanting their exclusivity and, and feeling special for knowing about it. And, you know, I've, I've also done that with music, too. So you know? I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, but I also, uh, as I'm getting older, realize that 
plurality and community is so much more important than me stroking my own ego, you know? I mean, I don't care if I'm cool or not. I just want to like things that are awesome and share in that with people. Yeah, I agree. And and enjoy on either a small or a large scale something that's really good quality, you know? Beautifully said. it's, it's It's so much more about the quality of the work than it is about whether or not it's well known. I, I get, I had a, a table a while ago, and I mean, I guess this isn't even when it happened or whatever, it doesn't matter, but the person was just like, what's the most popular th- item on the menu? And I was like, well, I mean, don't think about it in terms of popular. And he said, no, what's the most popular thing? And I said, um, the either the burger or the fish and chips. And he said, okay, I'll take the fish and chips. Mm-hmm. And then he said, what's the most popular beer? And I was like, well, but popular isn't the point. Like, what do you like? Exactly. But he just wanted to go with popularity yeah that's okay too everybody's different and weird and i was like well um how about this and i i can't even remember what i picked because uh-huh. there isn't just one popular thing i think there's probably up there oh yeah yeah, yeah for sure the hefeweizen uh is something that we keep on all the time because it is a good staple yep. you know it was probably that or the reisdorf kolsch that i gave him honestly but i mean that isn't the point of the story obviously sure. is that you know, some people want to have a thing and feel justified by the opinions of the mob. And other people want to do something very specific and unique to themselves. And that's one of the other beauties of our draft list is that there is something for everybody. Oh, absolutely. There's multiple things yes. for everybody, exactly. depending on what you want. Exactly. One thing I guess I haven't really touched on too in detail yet is the Belgian bar. What that is, is that we have our bar upstairs where we have eight taps and... of the time, those are devoted entirely to specifically Belgian beers. And it's rare to be able to get a Belgian beer on tap at all in the U.S., much less such a wide variety of them. And, of course, these taps are constantly rotating. Um, We have a special relationship with the brewery St. Bernardus. Um, They made a saison just for us called the Bachstein Winkel that we keep on. Yeah, it's neat. Actually, um, so the pub is 22 years old. And when we had our 20th anniversary, which was two years ago, before my time, I'll I'll admit, um, we partnered with 20 different breweries and collaborated on a beer uh, that we served at our birthday party. And St. Bernardus was impressed enough or, or happy enough with their own collaboration with us that they decided they wanted to keep making this beer. So we don't have it on like all the time, but we have it a good like two two thirds of the year maybe, and nice. it's a wonderful, very very approachable saison, nice crisp dry finish. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's so neat that Decatur, Georgia, should have something that you know we're connected to somebody all across the ocean, and uh, they've made something just for us. Buxton Finkel in Dutch actually means brick store. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, that's another reason to come here is to come have a boxing vinkle. I haven't tried it. I'm going to have to put that on my list. I'm pretty sure do we, we have, have it on now? right now. Yeah, we do. Oof. I'll yeah, we'll have, have one, one after. I'll have that later, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, our, our Belgian list right now is great. So before I came to work here, I thought that I, like, knew beer pretty well. <sighs> nope, nope, no, nope. I, 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 would, I wouldn't even say that I know it pretty well, but I, I know it well enough, and I'm sure that that is completely... Off, you know, I'm just totally off kilter there. I, I probably I probably know nothing about beer. It's amazing how much there is to learn, and I exactly. still feel like I'm, you know, at the, at the tip of the iceberg, too. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm certainly not a home brewer or anything like that. I would love to get more into that, but, you know, someday. Same. It, it, that's the someday thing, which yeah. is, is a scary topic, but continue. Well, but 
it's amazing how once you immerse yourself in it, how fast you can learn. And like you learn about all these different styles very quickly just by drinking them, you know, and we have so many bottles that I've, you know, I probably have had pretty much everything by now. I hope I don't think that there's anything that I haven't tried. Uh, Of course, other than our tremendous variety of cellar beers, because we don't have infinite quantities of those. And you, you can't try them all. No, and, there's unless no you way. just drank all day. Yeah, exactly. Day. And there's there's no time. <laughs> so in cases like that, you know, people who want to try a cellar beer, I'm like, well, I haven't had it either, but let's let's see what happens. Let's, let's crack it open. Yeah, and <clears throat> sometimes the bottle uh, is foamy and crazy, and other times it pours perfectly. You never know. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Um, and different beers card. age at different rates. You know, it depends a lot on the sugars and I don't know. Sure. A lot of stuff. Fermentation, et yeah. cetera, all that crazy stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. there's so much that goes into it. But, um, oh, just tasting so many styles and learning so quickly. And now I'm able to point people to things that, A, completely blew my mind the first time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and B, that, I mean, of course, they're just delicious, but to be able to... Like I said, you know, we're expanding people's worlds, you know, a little bit, cracking cracking the windows open, let a little more light through. And just through the virtue of having so many things to offer, this place is able to really do do just that, whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, didn't no, really I didn't. stick that landing. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I didn't come in and save you either. I was actually very immersed in what you were saying, so I didn't have the perfect finish. But that's, that's okay. okay. Yeah, I, I think everybody understands exactly what you were trying to communicate there. It's one of those things where not saying anything at all was was saying everything. Sure. So I like it. Yeah. Um, I had I uh, as a quick side note and tangent. Sure. I, I love tangents. You, we talked a little bit ago about community and also music in the same sentence. So I have to sure. ask. You are in Decatur a lot, and this is a fellow Decaturite from Pensacola. Do you know Michael Magno by chance? I do know Michael Magno. Okay, I figured you would, especially yes. being from Pensacola. He's yeah. a very—he's my first Atlanta friend. Really? Literally the first friend that I made in Atlanta. Uh, we were at Paper Plane back mm-hmm. before SOS was SOS, mm-hmm. and it was so funny because I was just sitting at the, that's you know I just. I would sit at these bars and just like hang around, try and talk to people, obviously trying to meet women. I was, it was 2013. So I was, I don't know, 23 years old, something like that. And anyways, there was this, this one girl that was sitting next to me and we had these, we had some very whatever conversations, but I'll be the first in it. Like I, I wasn't super interested. And then Magno, I mentioned, I was talking about music with this girl and I mentioned Hall & Oates. I love Hall & Oates. And Magno jumps into the conversation. He was sitting next to me. And then, after that, it was lights out for that poor girl. Like, yeah. she, I didn't even know she existed. And I struck up this friendship and talking with Michael. So we go way back. But uh, I just, I was curious to see if there was a connection there. Yeah, I don't I, even... I just built him a new website, actually, magnomusic.com. Oh, that's great. Yep, yep. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we met when I was a teenager in the 90s. That's but cool. I don't remember the specific any of that. But we definitely reconnected because when I moved back to Atlanta, my goal was to be a sound engineer yeah and so i worked for years as a live engineer i worked at loca luna and the earl i worked at smith's old bar for four years where i got to know a lot of people in the community um just mixing shows yeah and smith's is where he met his wife yeah i think that's right okay yeah yeah. that's (laughs) that that does ring a bell yeah and at smith's is where i would see him a lot like we would participate in the 500 songs for kids event um the songs for kids foundation is really wonderful if you don't know about them they bring music into children's hospitals um, to just 
make the kids think about something other than their condition. This for a is while. why I do tangents. I, I see you, you never would have been able to shout them out. Like, that's so cool. I yeah. love it. Yeah. That's Shout really out awesome. songs for kids. Holler. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love those guys. But yeah, Magno is really cool. Um, I actually haven't seen him in a long ass time now. Well, I'll, I'll tell him. Yeah, send my regards. Jet Drummond. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to beer. I yeah. had. Um, I wanted to ask you another question. So next to me here on the right in the cellar, there is a uh, Schneiderweiss Aventinus, mm-hmm. which is it's one of my go. It's, it's a crafty beer and from a, a very old uh, Schneiderweiss is very old and it's is it Belgian or German? It's German. German. Okay, yeah. yeah. Schneider. And and they do are they. Brewed under the Bavarian purity law. I, I believe you mean the Reinheitsgebot. Yes, that. Thank you. Very beautiful pronunciation. I, I need to commit that to memory. Reinheitsgebot. It's Reinheitsgebot. I'll write it down for you. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> I I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that all German beer has to be like, which is I, amazing. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the fact that they're able to do so many styles under such strict exactly. regulation is really neat. And the biggest one, like even Bex, is under that law. Which is pretty awesome. So I would hope so. Yeah, I, I love whenever even a big, it's, that's a fairly large mass-produced beer, and it's like, yeah, we, we adhere to this too. Yeah. So, but with that beer specifically, I have a very special place in my heart for it and like a special memory tied to it because I uh, I was in school uh, sometime, maybe about a year ago. I'm taking some time off from classes. I have a four-year bachelor degree in advertising, which is probably why I am running a marketing firm right now with, with a lifelong sense. friend of mine. Exactly. But uh, I actually had uh, very long-term uh, goals of maybe one day going to med school and becoming a doctor. Mm. I don't rule anything out. But the point is, I would I would have these late night because I was working full time. I would have these late night labs, uh, you know, for chemistry sure. or physics or biology or whatever it was, to do all the pre-med stuff. And they were horrible. I'd get out at you know nine nine p.m. Get home at nine thirty or ten o'clock p.m. or whatever, and I would have one of these Aventinas. And I even have the big, tall Schneiderweiss glasses. Yeah. Like, turn it upside down, do the shaking thing to get mm-hmm. all the, the sediment into the beer. And so that beer, especially coming home on an empty stomach, and I would put, like, that's like a <laughs> loaf of bread. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was fulfilling literally from like a sustenance standpoint, and I would immediately be buzzed. And yeah. they are taller bottles, but like, I'm not going to lie, they went straight to my head. Wonderful feeling. Do you have any specific stories and beers that you have memories like that tied to? Oh, God, so many. Uh, well, Good that grief. was a dumb question. Tell us one or right. two. <laughs> um, well, it's <laughs> um, there was one night where one of the managers and I decided that we were going to just drink St. Bernardus Triple after we closed for okay. a while. Nice. We had several of those, and I'm pretty sure I fell asleep on the bar for a minute. And then he was like, Jed, wake up. And I was like, oh, God. But um, that's so great. Yeah, I have a lot of love for the style triple yeah. or or tripel. Who knows? What is it? I've I've never well, known because I, I love mean, this too. Right. I think that I I do tend to be a bit of a stickler for proper pronunciation of things. Me too. But <laughs> if we don't know, we just have to resort to the Americanism. So we say single, double, triple, quadruple. But I mean, you know, far be it for me to try to uh, massacre. Dutch, yeah, I guess. I mean, it'd be easy to think Zingle, Dobel, Tripel, but I don't sure. know. And, and, and isn't it funny because a lot of times, even whenever you're trying to be accurate, just because you put value on that, you sound pretentious. Right. A really good example yeah. is I'm from up north and like a kind of a podunk town um, about 40 minutes from Pittsburgh. And everybody, and I grew up saying bruschetta, mm-hmm. but I'm 
Pretty Brisket, sure it's though. bruschetta. Yeah. You know, even if you don't pronounce it like an Italian, I say bruschetta yeah. now because I came down here. It's much more metropolitan cultured and all that. I'm like, oh, it's bruschetta. And then people look at me like I'm nuts. And I'm like, I'm not being pretentious. That's I I'm, just learned something. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. It's, again, tangent. Right. So. Well, you know, I. Um, You're Trippel. Yeah, right. Trippel. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do also speak a bit of German. And so that relates to Dutch pronunciation somewhat and when i came to work here everybody did look at me like i was my coworkers were like oh this guy thinks he's trying to pronounce everything right you know whatever right um i still think that it's valuable but it also is you know if it gets in the way of just clear communication about what a word is and supposed and is supposed sure. to mean then who cares i agree with both of those statements yeah, yeah i mean it's nice to know and it's good to want to try to be accurate but at the end of the day we just have to communicate and yes get the beer on the table well said yeah <laughs> would you like a triple or uh, yeah i'll have a, a triple if that's what you mean yeah, yeah. exactly like, like, all right who dude, gives re- a shit relax yeah yeah exactly Though I do get a little snooty when people pronounce it Duvel instead of Duvel. Okay. I, I didn't, I wouldn't know one way or the other, so it's Duvel, and that's Duvel. D-U-V-E-L, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. because it's not French, it's Dutch. Yeah. Uh, Duvel means devil, literally. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. so cool. I So that would be a cognate. And uh, for all of you language lovers out there, linguophiles, because I am most certainly one of those. Me too. I think you served me a Duvel last week i'm pretty I sure i think you did yeah because whenever we have duval on i push it on people because it's freaking delicious okay good man last night i mean people are like oh yeah i've had that one but i say but have you had it on draft yeah that's a huge deal yeah oh you know what lend us your expertise why is it so much better on draft well for one because you can build such a nice beautiful head uh i mean you can still do that out of the bottle mm-hmm. But there's just such a more fresh and crisp quality about draft beer. Things that have been bottled, it's been potentially months for things that have been imported uh, to the U.S. Uh, But also, you know, the keg is just going to be fresher. It's going to have more... Flavor isn't even the right word. I don't know. There's just sort of an ineffable quality to something that you're getting on draft versus in the bottle. Exactly. And, you know, it's easy just to fall back to, like, oh, freshness. And that's not entirely wrong, but... I think that it's just the simple act of, of pouring it from the tap has such a romantic quality to it. And and bottles can, of course, be quite romantic as well. I don't know. I might be a little out of my depth in terms of trying to describe that. No, that's all right. But we could also do a side-by-side, like crack open a bottle of Duval and then have a little taste of that and be like, what do we think? You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, you, you literally could have said it's it boils down to a freshness thing. And like I think that would make sense to a lot of people. Yeah. Right? At I mean, least if that's a huge component of it. Yeah. But I have a follow-up question for yeah. that. And, and I have to, to fight my fiance Tara, on this, lovingly, of course, is I learned, and it was one YouTube video that I watched, but the guy was allegedly a connoisseur and his explanation made sense to me mm. about the way to pour a beer. Okay. And, you know, all your life, certainly all my life, I always grew grew up pouring it in like to the side of the glass so that the head does not build up and then you can drink it faster. But at some point, carbon dioxide has to become activated and it gets all crazy and bubbly and all that stuff. That's mm-hmm. where the head comes from. Right. And it, it only does that one time. So if you don't do it in the glass, it happens in your stomach, and that's why you get bloated. Mm. So for my beers, I pour them directly in, and I let the head go down, because beer is beer. Like, it turns into that, but then it goes back down to beer. And that's how I've been pouring my beers. How should I be pouring them? Or is it a preference thing? Well, um, Belgian beers especially, the head is a huge component of the tasting experience. Exactly, yeah. 
And um, I think that one of the missions of Brick Store is, at least as far as our beer service goes, is to serve the beer as accurately as possible to the desires of the brewer, mm-hmm. right? And it's not like totally. every beer comes with uh, instructions, but... Some do. Sure, absolutely <laughs> some do. Um, and a few pop to mind, but anyway. Um, I have never seen one of our bartenders send out a beer with no head. That's unheard of. Unless it's, you know, a cider, for example, which won't ever do that. Exactly. Um but, yeah, I mean, the idea is to have this big, beautiful cloud on top of your thing because that affects the olfactory experience so much. And I feel like it probably does help you digest it a little easier if that's already happening on the outside of the beer. Exactly. But so when I'm pouring from bottle, I definitely do turn it to the side, pour, and it goes down. And then you build the head by once it's about like halfway, exactly. a little over halfway, then start to pour directly. So it's like half and half yeah. in that particular case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, you know, I love serving draft beer to people, but when I have the opportunity to demonstrate my pouring skills for folks, that's a lot of fun, too. Oh, absolutely. You know, and whenever you do it and the head reaches the very, it forms a meniscus on yeah. the top of the glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I just did that and I do it every time. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. fantastic. That's very cool. Um, you had the, did you finish the, the triple or triple story? Or oh, I, no, I mean... I, I, I guess I should. I mean, I'm trying to think of what some other specific stories are. Like, yeah, any other ones you have? I, I mean, mean there. That, uh, God, I'm like sorting through like my entire memory bank exactly. right now, trying to pick one thing. But um, don't don't think <clears throat> too hard. It's just right. sort of, like I said. I will always think of those soul sucking lab nights for the rest of my life when I drink Aventinas. Sure. You know what I mean, so if you just have anything like that, I'm curious. When I first came here to work. I had never heard of the style out brown, uh, which is which means old brown. Okay. And it is, of course, a Belgian style. And there was one in particular called Vanderhinste that just blew my mind. I was like, what? This is malty and sweet and sour all at the same time. It's got a little touch of like fruit notes to it. This is amazing. And we don't get that style as often as I would like. And we don't have it often it's not easy to get over here and so i'm always bugging our beer manager for it because i was so taken by it that of course there was one night you know I was, i'd only worked here maybe like two or three weeks and i was like i was like eight vanderkinstas deep and i was like i better go home i love it i mean i can recount stories of debauchery over american domestic macro brews too but we don't necessarily want to mention them by name on a show called craft heads so. yeah. <laughs> we won't invoke those it, demons it, yeah they are hey we've we've had our our share of uh low quality drinks we usually err on the side of good stuff but every once in a while we'll be like yo we were lazy or we couldn't go out and buy these three liquors to make a cocktail so we're drinking this you know swill so that has happened but it's it's unusual i mean i'm, I'm not too proud to admit that I still drink macro brew when it is presented. So do I. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I have a, a... Actually, he's a very good friend of, of my usual co-host, Tommy, and my, my best friend. His friend is from Tampa, and he is a brewer. And a, a, apparently, of all the mass-produced macro brewery stuff out there, uh, uh, Michelob Ultra is 
done pretty well for what it is. Okay. If that makes sense. You know, sure. I mean, it's like nobody's going to make an argument for Coors Light or, or whatever the hell it is that, you know, but it's like right. as far as what it is, I am told, and I don't have the facts to back it up, that it's like, okay, this is as as far as the brewing process goes, this is pretty decent for an ultra light beer. You know, well, kind of and by that same token, the, the consistency that is able to be manifested by these macro breweries on such a huge scale is quite impressive. Yeah. There's no denying that. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, they, the they have to impressive. roll out the same product yeah. on, you know, like billions and billions of bottles. And it's got to be identical. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, big up to them for figuring that out. Sure. Cool. Yeah. But we like the little guy. Well, here. I agree. I mean, in, in our fridge right now, there there is probably half a case of Michelob left, but then there are literally... 10 craft beers in our fridge right now. One of them, we just bought a six-pack of a variety of, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this properly, it's the one uh, Unibrow. It look, literally looks like Unibrow. Yeah, yeah, How do you yeah. say that? Uh, I think it's probably Unibrew. Unibrew? Okay, so I'm going to start saying, and I'm going to blame you if you're wrong. But uh, Well, that, it's French, so yeah. that's who makes Le Fondement and all that, right? Le Fondement, yeah. yeah that's, that's the main one that most people are familiar with. But yeah. uh, we've got a bunch of those. We have some from Arches, which is a, a oh. local. Their winter, winter Dunkel was amazing. Yes, Winter's Very Night. Good. We have that in the bottle right now. We had it on last week. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Fantastic Dunkel. Arches is good. Yes. They're, Shout out Arches. They're, they're up and coming, too, because it's like, I, I, never, I, didn't, I don't know how old they are, but I didn't see them six years ago. Uh, I believe that they're less than three years old. I was going to say two years. I, yeah, right. I think that that's right. Don't quote us. Um, Best Brewery in Hapeville doesn't sound like much, but sure. But they're yeah, everything they put out is wonderful. Um, if you haven't had their Southern Bell, I recommend that. I haven't. It's their take on just a Belgian style ale. Cool. And it's. Mwah. I love it. Yeah, I will definitely check fantastic. that out. I, we're not going to hold you responsible and leave anybody out, but off the top of my head. Uh, Creature Comforts, mm-hmm. um, the Dry County up in uh, Kennesaw. If you've ever had anything from them, I haven't heard of them yet. Wow! They're, I went there for you know we went in person and just like day drank with uh, uh, Tara and I and our neighbors and, and a couple other friends and it was it was really good. I was really impressed with some of the stuff they had on tap. Um, what are some of the other? Uh, obviously, uh, Sweetwater. Um, any other ones we want to? Any local breweries? Yeah, yeah lots. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want I don't want anybody to be listening. To be like, where's my name? But sure. Yeah. I mean, which is part of why we don't necessarily want to call out everybody. But definitely not. I I will. Okay, here's a story Good. about a specific Love beer. Stories. So I was at Leon's five years ago, I guess. Sister restaurant, right? Yes, Off Leon's full service is our sister restaurant right around the corner from the brick store. Excellent cocktails. Absolutely, yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. those boys, man, yeah, they good. know what they're doing. Yeah. I was at Leon's uh, with a friend randomly, and I, I was looking at their beer list, and I was like, what is this plum sour beer called Atalanta? What is going on with that? Uh-huh. My very first sour ever yeah. was a local one. Cool. Atalanta by Orpheus. I, oh, Orpheus, duh. Yes, Orpheus. God, yeah. Shout out, Jason. Um, Transmigration of souls. Oh, yeah. Oof. Don't get me started on Orpheus. Other than that, I will just say, Atalanta was my first sour beer, and I drank them so fast and so furiously that by the time my dinner came, I couldn't taste it. Oh my god, that's hilarious. (laughs) I burned my tongue. It's funny because I know what you mean. I've been there. Yeah. uh, So a sour, the the fancy word, is it gose? 
Uh, go- well, actually, Starting no. Um, a goza is goza. yeah, goza is a German style. Um, goza is specifically characterized by um, the addition of salt and coriander. Ah, okay. uh, those are the specific ones. Um, is the sour with lactose? No, not at no. all. Okay, no, no, no. I, I'm done. You won't find it. No, lactose makes it sweet, obviously. Okay, yeah. So that would be like your left-hand milk stout. Um, they're starting to do a lot of New England-style IPAs with lactose now. Um, and that just adds a, a milky, sweet mouthfeel. Uh, but um, sours are actually uh, wild ales, which are spontaneously fermented. Gotcha. And that's a totally different brew process than... It's like spontaneously fermented yeasts that are used and some wilds of course like belgians belgian brewers as far as i know like cultivate their yeast strains for specific styles and whatever um and not being a chemist or brewer i can't uh speak too specifically to that um but so yeah like people's i guess now that sour is such a trending thing it really is i only started drinking them in the past year like the past year wow yeah Yeah. I, i shouldn't it's not that i've never had one but I frequently, suddenly, am drinking sours. Sure. You know, like, I'll get a beer. The, the reason I brought up the lactose thing is, I can't even, this is horrible, I can't remember the name of the brewer, but we get a lot of our, almost all of our alcohol at Tower, because, mm-hmm. oh my God, they have everything, yes. including beer. I've and, been in Tower before and asked them if they had any rooms for rent, and they yeah, laughed at me. Yeah, that, it's, it's like, can I live here? Yeah, can I just move in? But uh, this one was a sour, and it was brewed with hibiscus leaves, like, like uh-huh. and... I swear it said something about lacto-fermentation on it. That's, well, that's possible that that could be, but lactose isn't a standard ingredient okay, for Okay, fair enough. You're you know saying I mean? it could be a thing. It can be added, absolutely. Gotcha. Okay, that's why I was confused. And, um, hibiscus sour, that rings a bell. I'm pretty sure that I've had one. It was insane. They were they were four 16-ounce cans, and it was $4.00. Literally a dollar a can. And the other one was brewed with Roybos tea. It was really oh, cool. Oh, wow. I, did, I, I was I like, I'll drink anything for a sour. dollar That a sounds can. great. Yeah. The, the Roybos wasn't a sour. It was it was like an ale or something. Right, right. I don't know. It was really cool. So, Man. that's awesome. Shout out Roybos. That's he, been a minute. Yeah, yeah. Red tea. Yeah, that Actually, that's one of those weird pronunciation things coming full circle here. You know, you hear Ruibos and everything else, and it's like, well, you know, I'm, well, I think that, it's Well, that also is a, is a Dutch-derived yes. word. It's from Afrikaans. Exactly. And um, two O's is in Dutch and in German. You hold the two vowels together. It just lengthens the sound of the vowel rather okay. than changing it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, like, I, as far as I understand, I and E and then E and I in German... The second letter is the one that's pronounced. So when you talk about Weinstefaner, yeah, is Wein, that correct? Yeah, Weinstefaner. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah Canal. Yeah, very nice. Um, oh, this. pronunciation. We can talk about that all day. Oh, me too. Okay, and I have another course, podcast on it. And in Dutch, the vowel combinations are totally different than in German. Mm-hmm. Um, Dutch is a, is a really interesting language, yeah. and I wish I spoke it more than I did. I wish I spoke anything other than English more than I did. Hmm. I'm quasi-fluent in Spanish. My actual mother was a high school Spanish teacher, so I'm like, I'm all right with it, but it's one of those things where I've got to be in the right mood and surroundings to really do it. But right. usually, get a couple beers in me, I'm, I sound pretty good, actually. Man, there was... I, I know enough Spanish to kind of get by a little bit. Yeah. And uh, there was a group at my table last night there was a man and a lady and a little kid and the little boy was speaking Spanish and English because the mom was talking to him in Spanish Uh and I don't know if that was the dad who was the man at the table it doesn't matter but um 
the dad talked to him in English and he answered in English and the mom talked to him in Spanish and he answered in Spanish and and I just looked at him and I was I just was like Todo bien. And <laughs> kids that young don't know how lucky they are whenever they're learning at when your mind is a sponge they yeah. they couldn't not learn it if they tried right you know what I mean exactly. so if, rapid fire question if you could have if you could automatically be 100% fluent in any language in the world what would it be. Uh, Spanish would be the most uh, useful right now for my world. What about the most interesting to you personally? Um, I wish that I were 100% fluent in German. German, that's definitely a top three uh, decision for me. Yeah. It would be either German, Japanese, or... I don't know. I'd have to think about a third one. reading my mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I I love Japanese. I knew we'd get along good. Yeah. Have you ever been to Japan? No. Uh, It's... uh, It's quite expensive. Yeah, it... It, it was a big trip, but that was where uh, Tara and I went, and I proposed to her. Oh, and, that's amazing! Yeah, it was really awesome. But yeah, great country, great people, great culture. I love everything about it. Yeah, I've been I've been a fan of Japan forever. Yeah, and but as someone like I said who's been working in the service industry and the music uh, production industry for twenty years in the yeah. theater world, I haven't had money to travel. Okay, Re- related <laughs> tangent. Hey, you know you. One of the one of these days, you just you just gotta like set aside a little fund and just put a little bit of money into. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Traveling is wonderful, but you said you're a whiskey drinker. Absolutely. Are you a Japanese whiskey fan? Uh, oh my god, yes. It's, I, I yes. remember the first time I ever had Japanese whiskey. Now, granted, I was already very drunk, but wow, it's very oh, yeah. special. Nika Pure Malt. I, I've never shout had out Nika, Nika Pure, Pure Malt. No. Oh my god. Oh, it's, oh it, it sounds amazing. It's so good. Nika's great. Um, like I've had Hibiki, you know, like the big ones. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's amazing. It's even the regular blended that's not uh, a certain age because you can't get it anymore because it got popular and then they're all sold out. Right. And then the Japanese are like, we need to wait ten more years because we have to age this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, I was raised to be a Scotch drinker. Um, my parents. I. This is the story. It might not be one hundred percent true, but okay. I feel like. When I turned either 18 or 19, my parents gave me a, the Michael Jackson, the beer writer, the beer and whiskey writer, uh-huh. his complete guide to single malt scotch whiskey. Like okay. I wasn't even 21. That's amazing. You know, and they were like, you love scotch. Here's this book. Yeah. If you're going to do this, do it right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll learn you something. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Laphroaig. Mm-hmm. I like my scotches to taste like a shoe. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, Talisker? You think? Oh God, yes. Yeah, I, I actually there were two Taliskers I've, I was recently drinking. One, my neighbors, God bless them, the greatest guys in the world. Uh, they got me a bottle, I think, of ten year Talisker. Yeah, for that's my the standard. I think. That was really good. And then I don't know if it's good or bad because it was on sale and they had a surplus. But Tower was trying to get rid of it rapidly for thirty dollars a bottle. It was called Talisker Storm. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And, and allegedly, it was like, you know, it had $90 crossed out, and it was starting. I was like, I don't think this is quite 90 but it was amazing. And I, I only bought two bottles, and I'm real sad because it's all gone now. Well, so, I, I think mean, they changed their packaging. Right. And you know how that goes. I mean, who knows with with the, the Scotch distilleries why they want to try to market one thing this way or another way. Sure. I, I don't know. I'm not yeah. privy to any of that. Um, Talisker definitely is quality, though. Um, Absolutely. One of my favorite bars... Or one of my favorite places to go drink in the city of Atlanta okay. is the Sundial at the top of the Westin Hotel. Oh, that's awesome. It's on the 72nd floor. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to take Tara. Oh, my God. It's wonderful. The restaurant is, you know, fine dining, so it's quite pricey. But you can just go to their lounge, and it's maybe like $1 or $2 more than you would expect to pay for a drink. Whatever. Not 750 feet in air. It's like a surcharge. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're paying for that elevator ride. Elevation surcharge. It, but it's so wonderful. The view is incredible, of course, because they're so high. It's it's the highest hotel in the Western Hemisphere, or at least held that title for a long time. It might have been deposed by now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I love to go up there, and I drink Talisker when I go. Because awesome. if I'm going to be paying $12 for something, why not make it a wonderful scotch? You know? stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it seems silly to, like, drink a 420. Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, because it, it's, like, it's an occasion, right? Yeah, we're, my, my we're big this thing. Place. Anytime I go out to eat or drink or whatever it is, you know, unless I'm going out like to go clubbing or whatever, which right. is which is few and far between nowadays. Sure. But you know, if I, for example, we brought up Leon's earlier. Sure. I'm going to I'm going to take advantage of the expertise there precisely because I I'm a fledgling mixologist and I make a lot of drinks and I have a lot of the different staples and ingredients at home and everything but it's like all right I don't have any of these ingredients I don't know how they make this because it's a proprietary drink I'm gonna have them make me what they think they what, what they want to serve me sure uh, hell that goes for food too I love I love like getting um maybe maybe not even necessarily specials or whatever but you know I, I I'll talk to servers and waiters and waitresses say what do you think is good and, and why? And it's just like, I eat everything, so I'm going to be easy. You know, I, I like deferring to the experts. Are you familiar with the concept of omakase? No. That's a sushi idea where you just, the the, the chef just is like, Chef's choice. here's your stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I could totally do that. Yeah. Maybe I'll drop that word next time I'm getting sushi. I don't know. We'll see. But um, Do y'all have an omakase? Yeah. Say it like a, <laughs> like a hillbilly or something. I just want some fish. Yeah. Which is how I often feel when I go into a uh, sushi place. But, uh, but you oh, got to defer to the experts. Yeah. That's right. Oh, boy. There's, uh, I could talk to you for another hour, Jed. Um, uh, obviously, that'll be a two-hour podcast at that point. But, and the worst thing is I know that after we conclude this, we're going to have some follow-up conversation. I'm like, damn it, we should have talked about that on the podcast. Well, we can do this again sometime. That's true. We could have a follow-up. That would be... And in fact, uh, as soon as Tommy, my co-host, hears this, he's going to lament the fact that he wasn't a part of it. Sure. So I'll, we might take you up on that. I would love cool that. Yeah. Uh, we'll couple... think of a bunch of follow-up questions and things exactly. to address. I'll do yeah. some research. You know, that let's, would be, let's do it. That would be super awesome. A couple of uh, parting thoughts here. Um we have to give. I'm gonna. You handle the shout out of the two individuals that visited us. Oh crap! It was Ellen and Vic. Vin, Vince. 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 Vince yeah. and Ellen. Yeah. Shout out Vince and Ellen. Yes. Our our unintended guests in the cellar. Yeah. They were pretty wowed. Yep. They were pretty cool, and they 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 stopped in to have a little look, and I hooked them up with a couple CHP business cards. So I hope to hear this. Hope you guys enjoyed it. She uh, said, I love podcasts. Yeah, well, and that's awesome. That, that's the perfect That's the perfect person I want to talk about. But we, uh, on Craft Heads, we definitely try, my biggest thing is I try and get a, uh, both of us try and get a variety of content. Because, yeah. uh, like, some of my favorite podcasts, I love whenever it's like, no, skip, skip, skip. Oh, I want to listen to this one. Sure. You know, because as much as I want people to listen to every episode, I don't expect people to. You know, sure. just come come hang out with us uh, whenever uh, the spirit moves you, sort of, as I like to say. But, um is there anything else for, for like your personal life, Jed? Do you want to, do you want to throw out any of your social media handles? Anything? I know oh, you do voiceover work. I, I do audio voiceover work. Yeah. Um, I've recorded audiobooks. Do you want anybody able to be able to find you? Just Google Jed Drummond, and you'll find all kinds of things. There's there links go. to my music, whatever. Um, uh, I am in a band called Bowie in Sweats. Nice. We do one show a year. It is a Bowie tribute. Uh, this will be our fifth year doing it. Uh, our show is on the 18th of January at the Earl. 
we're going awesome. to be doing scary monsters and super creeps in its entirety. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we conceived of the project originally as a tribute to Bowie's 69th birthday. We were like, oh, Bowie's turning 69, let's do a band. Yeah. And, and I'm at the time, I wasn't even a super huge Bowie fan, but some of my really good musician, well, some of my really good friends who are also really good musicians were like, Jed, we want you to do this with us. And I was like honored and thrilled. Yeah. And so we practiced the show. We just picked songs that we all thought would be fun to play. Yeah. And then... Uh, our show was set to be on a Thursday, and Bowie died that Sunday. And we were like, oh my God, what do we do? Can we even do this? We felt like, you know, chagrined a little. But yeah. uh, then the, the promoter at the Earl was like, well, you guys just sold 150 tickets on Monday morning. And we were like, okay, we're doing it. Yeah. And so we played to a sold-out room at the Earl. Um, That's unbelievable. And it became a thing. So we do it annually, and our That's next so cool. one is coming up. We're in rehearsals right now, and it's so fun. And I love those guys. We have an amazing time, and the crowd always loves it. And so, what do you yeah, play? we're huh? What do you play? Uh, in that band, I am one of the lead singers, and I play guitar, and I play some keyboard, and I have a tambourine that I named Ferruccio Tamborghini. I love it. After the founder of Lamborghini. That's hilarious. Which is really stupid. Um, That's great. <laughs> and yeah, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, synthesizer, piano. I'm not the primary keyboardist for the band that's my friend tt okay um but i also dance around i get yeah. really excited uh when we're all playing um but yeah so that's that's something that's going on but feel free to google me yeah um there there's a lot of information out there i've done yeah. a lot of stuff over the years that's really awesome yeah well but the ultimate shout out is to brick store pub because that's why we're here today to talk about this so y'all yeah. come to the brick store you don't have to ask for Jed because everyone who is here is here to take care of you and to give you the best possible experience. That's that's a nice uh, that's some good solidarity to, to, to show all your colleagues here. Absolutely, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I always, I feel so appropriate every time I come to Brickstore Pub. I always want to uh, I always want to text my business partner Jake Jake Kurtz because uh, our our marketing firm is called Brick Media Group. I'm uh, like Brickstore Brick Media, and I just I, yeah. I love I love the mojo here. So it's like it's this place is very special to me on a hundred different levels. Thank you so much for your, your time today, It has Jen. been an absolute pleasure. We'll look forward to part two. Uh, anybody, uh, don't forget, check out on Instagram at when in Atlanta. I'll have a post featuring uh, Brick Store Pub, and obviously there will be a picture of uh, Jed's beautiful mug as well. Oh, I, have, I have one last question. Sure. Is your name short for anything, like Jedediah or anything? It is short for John Edward. Oh, so you just go by Jed. Well, and my last name is Drummond, so my initials are Jed, too. That, okay. Mind blown. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Thank you, Jed. You're welcome.